As a mother, wife, and divorce attorney for over 15 years, experience has taught me a lot about how to deal with times of uncertainty, transition, and facing opportunities for growth. I'm happy you're joining me for this part of the journey. Gray divorces are on the rise, and this probably doesn't come as a surprise to you if you are over the age of 55 or know somebody who is. Of course, the issues facing couples who divorce later in life are unique, and here to talk with us about those issues is Dr. Kevin Carlson. Dr. Carlson is a PhD a psychologist. Uh, he earned his PhD from UT Southwestern, and he also has a law degree. He is a leading expert in helping advise family lawyers across the state of Texas and litigants as they prepare for trial. And he is very experienced in working with couples who are facing a gray divorce. Dr. Carlson, thank you so much for taking time to be with me today. Thank you, Jennifer, for having me. So. Before we jump into talking about a gray divorce, you and I first met years ago at a collaborative divorce training. How did you find out about collaborative divorce and what's your experience with it? Um, one of the early pioneers in collaborative divorce uh, came to me and said, hey doc, don't you want to help me with getting this collaborative divorce process off the ground? Um, you and I both know that Divorce is really damaging to families and especially to kids. And this collaborative divorce process would make it much easier and less painful for families to get divorced. And, um, and we had a long discussion about it. And um, I was initially skeptical because I said, you know what, lawyers are never going to jump on the bandwagon. This is, we're just not trained for that. And, um, and fortunately, uh, John persevered. And, and so as a result of that, then I came to le learn about collaborative divorce training when you and I went with, uh, through the training together with Janet Brumley. And since then, of course, that was, what, 20 years ago now? Um, collaborative divorce has become a kind of a mainstream part of uh, family law practice with very good results and, and very good outcomes for families. And of course, as a trial expert, as somebody who's advising uh, lawyers and litigants in the trial preparation process, you've seen firsthand the effects that litigation can have on families. Yes, I did um, custody evaluation work for the first probably 10 or 15 years of my practice. And at, toward the end of that, I was starting to see families come through for evaluations the second time. And so I was seeing the results of divorces that happened 10 or 15 years ago and the impact it was having on kids. It was awful. Um, and, and some of the parents, too, were um, remarkably clear in, re, in reporting what their spouses said to them in court about them during litigation. And I realized that, you know, these wounds are deep and they're lasting and they're damaging to families. One of the things I think people don't realize is, you know, you take a husband and wife, the, one of the most intimate relationships, um, and the, the secrets and the desires that are shared in that relationship in litigation become fair ground. And that's what you're discussing is that when people um, are called to testify about some of these things, it, it really causes wounds that can never be healed and aren't healed and they live with them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, and in the in the you know the parents pay a price of course because they're the kind of the immediate victims, but the the effects linger and and really regurg um, um, 
echo through the family. And so, you know, years later, you hear kids reporting to me when I'm doing custody evaluations what their parents said in court the first time. And so um, it's obvious that, that these kinds of wounds, you know, they don't go away either for parents or for kids. Yeah, and it really, it can, I mean, as you said, it carries on for the children even when they go on to have their families and their own children, and it has a generational impact. Certainly. So finding a better way to do divorce is something that we're both committed to because we've seen it done well, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's divorce is always painful, but it doesn't have to be catastrophic. I like that. Um, all right, so let's talk about gray divorce. When we're talking, using the term gray divorce, what do we mean? As you said earlier, um, you know, for couples that are 55 and older, who for some of them have been married for 35 or 40 years or more, um, there comes a time in their relationship when the relationship dies, um, the interest, mutual interest changes, um, one of the parties has an affair because they're bored or whatever happens. But anyway, so people decide uh, that even though they've been married for a long time, it's time to go. And, um, and for many of these couples, um, it's not exactly news. Um, for a lot of the couples, the conflict is relatively low compared to some younger couples because they, they just aren't as invested in the relationship anymore and they have more confidence that they can make it on their own. So, so great divorces tend to be, um, generally speaking, you know, less conflict uh, ridden than, than divorces in younger couples. What are some of the issues that you do see that make it challenge that make divorce challenging for a gray divorce? So, you know, the the challenges are different for men and for women. Um, the the challenges for women are primarily economic. Um, when women decide that they have had enough of being ignored or um, sometimes chronically abused. If they were married to a narcissist, they might have been mistreated for a long time and they just decide, you know, the kids are gone, um, we're financially stable and I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> and for men, it's um, generally speaking, um, they get dis um, start thinking about retirement, uh, work is not as important to them anymore, uh, they get bored, uh, they might have sort of a spur of the moment affair that's not really emotional, but it's a, you know, I need to prove that I'm still a man kind of a, an event. And, um, and that can lead to um, a divorce too. And men, for the most part, are, you know, less likely to file for divorce either younger or during the, during the gray period than women are. About one of every three divorces are filed by men. Most are filed by women. And so it's, it's usually not the men who are leaving. It's usually the women. That's interesting. In fact, I've had a bunch of people have asked me recently since COVID, have you seen an uptick in the women filing for divorce? And I, I really, I don't think I have. I think it's been pretty much the same, but I didn't realize that the statistics were such that it's usually two out of three divorces are filed by women. Yes. And, and I think the change in the COVID period is, you know, what's happening is a lot of couples are spending a lot of time together that for, they literally <laughs> have not done since they got married. Right. And so, um, and so for women who could put up with their house, their husbands being less than kind to them um, because they worked all the time and they only saw them on the weekends anyway, uh, now when the guy's in the house all the time and he's not nice, then the women go, you know what, this is, I don't need this. I, I just don't need this. So yeah. Um, I have found when it comes to gray divorces, usually the, the one who's leaving this is actually a happy occasion for them to be ending a marriage that they've been felt stuck in for a long time. 
But the one being left, um, can, it can carry with it a really a serious grief period that maybe they caught, felt caught by surprise and they're grieving a lot of things. Have you found that as well? True. Yes. Yes. And, and what my experience is that, you know, the person who's leaving, most people who think about leaving, think about leaving for sometime between one and two years before they actually pull the trigger. And so, um, and so those people grieve then during the period leading up to actually filing for divorce. And so by the time the legal stuff starts, they're well down the road to kind of bouncing back. For the person who's not so intimately involved in the decision, you know, usually it catches them by surprise. And so they start the shock and, um, and sadness period, you know, at the time of the filing or shortly before. And so they're always behind the people don't grieve at the same rate and they don't grieve in the same way. And so uh, it's unusual for couples to kind of walk down that path together, even if they're you know, been married for a long time, because um, one or the other of them decided to to do it before the for the other spouse even probably realized it was going to happen. Um, if somebody is listening to us today who um, just found out that their spouse has filed for divorce, what advice do you have for them if they're trying to wrap their heads around this? I think the first thing is is that just recognize that you're going to be in shock for a while. Um, don't make any you know, really fast decisions about whether you're gonna proceed, whether the relationship's really over. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of couples bounce from from that initial shock when um, people realize, oh my gosh, I didn't realize it was this bad. Um, I'm willing to do things now that I wasn't willing to consider before. And so I think it's always a smart thing to do to take some time to kind of think and, you know, get some get some advice from your friends, uh, see a mental health professional if you're having emotional difficulties, if you're depressed or you're anxious or you're fearful. Um, it's good to get you know, some support from a mental health professional who's had some experience with divorce and not all of them have. Um, and then, and then, you know, take some time to consider what your options are, especially for women. It's really important to consult with a financial professional. Um, women are the ones who are most at risk financially, usually with gray divorces. And so um, it's important that they have some understanding about what their financial situation is. I, I just got finished working with a, a couple uh, getting divorced, um, my lawyer buddy uh, friend was representing the wife and and they had been married for a long time were financially very secure um, uh, wealthy really and she had no idea literally no idea what their financial situation was and and so she was completely overwhelmed with oh my gosh we have these stocks we have these insurance policies we have all these retirement accounts and and we have this household budget that you know i never had to paying attention to before because I just, you know, sent the bills in. And so, um, and so that whole getting financially smart and, and educated and learning how to manage a budget is very overwhelming when you're doing for the first time when you're 65 years old. I mean, You're exactly right. I mean, that's um, something we always encourage spouses to do <clears throat> from the beginning of the marriage is to, for both people to be involved. It's easy to abdicate if one partner is willing to take over those responsibilities, but you both need to be meeting with the financial planner. You both need to be having conversations about wealth planning and estate planning and, you know, be, be in the household budget and understand how things work. It, it is a big shock for people who who have kind of given up that role to suddenly be taking it on. Um, what are some other emotional considerations you see for people who are facing a gray divorce? Um, 
interestingly enough, women are better equipped to be alone than men. And so women, for the most part, have better social networks, they have better support systems, they're more willing to talk about what's going on with their friends. And so from the emotional perspective, women are, even in, the, in, even in great divorces, women are better prepared to deal with being alone than men are. Um, men, for um, genetic and biological and social reasons, uh, we are not inclined to you know, share much with our friends about what's going on. Um, frequently, we were clueless about how bad it is. And, um, and then you know, when the thing finally happens, um, men who live alone after the age of 65, their health risks go through the roof. I mean, their risks for heart attacks, for um, you know, other kinds of serious um, chronic diseases um, are way, way higher than for men who are married. And so um, the, the stress is reflected in men more in their physical well-being or lack of well-being than for women who, you know, get emotionally upset but can kind of work their way through it for the most part. Um, men just have heart attacks and die. You know? mm. Yeah, I mean, very significant <laughs> issues. Um, you, you also brought up social status. I think that that's something that I've not really paid attention to because it's not a legal issue, right? right. Um, or a financial issue. But for, for a gray divorce, for a couple who's been married for 35 plus years, you know, they do have a certain status, social status in their community as a married couple, whether you know, it's in their church or their clubs or whatever. Um, how have you, and, and a divorce impacts that. Yes. How have you seen couples deal with that in a healthy way maybe, or not in such a healthy way in divorce? Well, so the, you know, the, the collaborative divorce model is basically, we're gonna try to find a win-win solution to this. We're gonna split, go our separate ways, but we're gonna try to find a way to make this win-win. Um, in those circumstances, then um, the husband is gonna be more uh, flexible about the financial arrangements and about how the retirement accounts get split up and about how the, um, about the long-term financial consequences for the divorce on, on a wife. Um, and when the, you know, the issues are more deep-seated and the husband has a personality disorder, particularly if he's a narcissist, you know, he's going to punish the wife for leaving. And so then she's more likely to suffer the economic and social consequences. And for most people, unless you're, your net worth is in the high seven or eight figures, that means a drop of about one social class. And that means if you're um, at one percenter, you're going to be affluent, but you're not going to be rich anymore. And if you're affluent but um, and divorced, then you're not going to be affluent anymore. You're going to be really middle class. And for for women particularly, that means if you were a member of a country club before, you're probably not going to be anymore. Um, if you were able to play tennis, you know, uh, three or three times a week, uh, probably once a week or once a month now, because of the changes in your economic set situation, and um, and you're probably not going to live in Highland Park now. You're going to probably live in East Plano, and so the the changes in your financial situation lead to changes in your home environment because most of the time houses get sold. And so that means the man might move to you know, a high-rise condo, um, but the woman is probably going to end up in some um, lower or middle-class neighborhood where her neighbors are more in her economic situation, um, you know, grandkids come to visit, but the house is you know, 2,000 square feet and worth you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, not a million dollars. 
And so those those changes in in lifestyle have a big impact on people's outlook on life for the most part. And unless you're really solid and don't have a real attachment to your stuff, um, that's a real that's a real loss. And I think I think it's important to talk about it because these are often probably the things that aren't talked about in polite company. But but the reality is that divorce, you're taking a combined household and you're dividing it in two one way or another. And um, and it does have a significant impact for people's lifestyles. Yeah. And in the in the in the finances don't really work out 50 50 because now you have two houses to support two utility bills to pay. And so um, the idea that we're just going to split it half and half and everybody's going to go away and we're going to be okay, and, but not, not quite as good as we used to be, isn't how it really works out. The yeah. economic realities are much more painful. Uh, but I, I do find also that people who go through the process, while it wasn't something that they were planning or wanting, um, there can often be a newfound sense of peace because you're not living in a toxic relationship anymore. So while the financial, you know, may take a step back, the emotional well-being may take a step forward. And it certainly can. And for, for many women who have been in, in less than happy relationships for a long time, the freedom, the, the emotional freedom that goes with being on their own, being able to make their own decisions, um, not being constantly criticized or ignored, both of which are equally painful, mm -hmm. um, can lead to kind of a step up in their emotional health once they kind of work their way through the grief of, you know, this future I had planned for myself is gone and I have to build a new one. And, and that is a good point because I think a lot of times, you know, what I, what I learned from my clients is that they were willing to stay stuck in a bad situation because it was known and they they were planning for a future and that's one of the things that's really can be really difficult with a great divorce is that you know if you're younger middle age and you're getting a divorce you still have time to recoup the losses right. when you're in a great divorce you don't right but um but when they really kind of accept that this is happening, you know, there is definitely a positive and healthy way to go through this. Um, and it is, a, it's looking to the future and, yes. and redefining that and having new dreams, you yes. know, yes. Um, and letting go of the past ones. But, but it's not to minimize the fact that that is definitely a transition. Um, yes. And, and like you say, I've worked with a number of women um, who got married in the, in early in their 20s and then divorced in their 40s, 50s, early 60s. And um, and as you point out, I mean, a lot of them were looking forward to having a, a different life alone and they had already begun to kind of craft for themselves what their future was gonna be like in their own, you know, starting a new business, uh, you know, picking up their pottery or what, whatever it was that they had kind of let um, slide away while they were um, involved in raising their family or in taking care of their husbands, which you know, most women do. Um, and so, and so for them, it's kind of, there is a sense of newfound freedom. Um, but they, once they work through the loss and the grief and the, you know, the kind of revisioning their own futures yeah. and, um, and for, you know, for most people who go through divorces are relatively healthy, emotionally healthy. And so, you know, people who are emotionally healthy bounce. <laughs> right? right. And, um, and, and for those people who were, you know, not so healthy, then the grieving period is longer and sometimes it's, you know, permanent and they don't bounce as much. And, and what I find kind of the difference, and I'm not a mental health professional, you are, so this is just anecdotal, my observation, 
is that um, the people who struggle the most with moving forward are the ones who are really stuck in the past, whether that's the past resentments, the past pain, um, really not being able to let go. And the people who are a little more resilient and able to rebuild a very bright future post-divorce are the people who can focus on the future and begin to dream new dreams. Yes, I completely agree. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but there are a lot of people get married with a lot of baggage and from their families of origin and um, that baggage doesn't go away it just gets kind of stored in the closet and when they get divorced in in their late 50s or 60s you know it doesn't disappear it just comes out and yeah. so and so they're left with at that stage having to deal with issues that they probably should have dealt with in their 20s and allowed them to have a more healthy marriage relationship but you know it, it it is what it is and so they're stuck with it so yeah. bouncing is harder for those folks yeah absolutely um we talk about gray divorce as a trend so obviously there are people who are married 35 45 50 plus years um, but they weren't as prone to get divorced. I think it used to be you thought once you kind of got to retirement, if you were still married, you would just die married. Yeah, right. um, and that's not the case anymore. What do you think is contributing to the trend of people uh, having the guts to call it quits? <laughs> well, you know, um, I'm a boomer and um, us boomers are, we are the, we are the divorce generation, yeah. right? Our, the marriage and divorce rate divorce rates for boomers are just outrageous and you know they're about twice as high for boomers as for every other you know generation and so um you know we were raised in an era where our parents as you described were married forever they may not have been happy but they were married and they were staying that way and um the changes that came with the 60s and the 70s for us boomers kind of said you know if you're not really happy you might want to try something else and the, the family structure was a little bit more flexible. Um, the religious prohibitions against divorce were less stringent. And so it was easier for us boomers to get divorced and try to move on than, I mean, our parents wouldn't have even had considered it. I mean, it wouldn't have come up. I mean, it was, you just didn't do that. You stuck it out, you worked it out. Um, and so I think for, and so the reason I think since, I think it's about since 1970 and 75, something like that, the divorce rate for the boomer generation is almost twice as high as for the rest of the world. And so um, that's not changed in, in the great divorce. <laughs> and, and you know, the numbers are pretty high, which is once you've had one divorce, your odds of having another one are like three times greater. And so, you know, we're the, us boomers, we're the ones who say, you know what, didn't work out this time, but I'm gonna try again. And uh, so, it, it, it makes for a very high divorce rate among, and so now we're the gray generation, right? The boomers are the gray generation. And so we're out there divorcing like crazy. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's not good for anybody really. <laughs> okay, boomer, <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> any, any closing words of wisdom for, um, for people out there who uh, might be, maybe if it's children who are watching this, who are children of um, parents who are getting ready to have a gray divorce, um, adult children. Any words of advice? Well, I, I, you and I share the same value, which is, you know, divorce happens sometimes. It's unavoidable sometimes. Um, it doesn't have to be a, a battle zone. And so um, the collaborative process is especially helpful, I think, for people who have assets, 
the kids are gone, it gives them a little bit more flexibility in making decisions about what their financial futures could be. Um, it makes it easier for spouses to be a little bit more flexible and forgiving about you know the flaws in their spouse if they can work out a long-term you know financial plan that's good for both of them and and then that leaves the kids free to be attached to both parents um, without feeling like they have to be loyal to one because the other one got screwed and so um, and so it's I think it's for adult children who have parents who are divorcing it's really to their benefit to say hey look you guys you guys don't have to go to court, you know, do this collaborative process, work this out. And if you're not happy together, then, you know, we love you, but, you know, get divorced. And I think that's a really good perspective. You know, um, we often leave adult children out of the conversation about divorce, but it, of course, does impact the family unit. And, you know, all of a sudden, grandma and grandpa are at different houses and you're having to take, you know, divide up the holidays and all of that. So I think it is great if there is a way, you know, feel free. I think adult children should tell their parents we're not going to be in the middle of this. Right. Right? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to love both of you. Um, and you, we're going to expect you all to act like grown-ups. So <laughs> go learn about the collaborative divorce process. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you, Dr. Carlson, for coming and spending time with me this morning talking about collaborative divorce um, and especially how it could be beneficial for seniors uh, and the gray divorce, uh, people who are looking at divorce later in life. Thanks, Jennifer. Glad to be here.